Drake May, quarterback, North Carolina. We continue our look at the top prospects this summer with a hot name out of the ACC. Is he a first-round guy? We're breaking down Drake May today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, happy national prorated salary cap dead cap hit day to you, June 1st. It's a big day for some people. Yeah, you don't celebrate this year. No celebration for me, but I, I know you you are celebrating. The clearance of one Byron Jones, right? Uh, correct. Yeah, so it's you're, you're taking $10 million of his void money and prorating it to next year, so you end up getting like $13 million in cap space. and Some pretty interesting discussions to be had about who's available on the market. Uh, I think any any player that would warrant a significant amount of chunks of like Dallas is another team that's clearing a large amount of money with Ezekiel Elliott money. Um, I don't know that there's a player on the free agent market that's going to really get you excited. So it's okay. Do we sign a couple four to six million dollar a year contracts? Do we try to trade for a player with an asset? You know, there, there's kind of all kinds of questions and. Uh, We'll see how quickly teams act on that, but that money becomes available at the end of the day today. So technically, we're we're still in in limbo. I feel like the value out there right now is uh, edge rushers, a lot of veteran edge rushers. Got DeAndre Hopkins. You got Zeke Elliott. The Hopkins market is Dalton Risner, by the way. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the the where that conversation started to where it's gotten. Right? Is a pretty it tells you everything about where that's at. So he's going to have to probably come to grips with on with what reality is going to be based on what, what real money is going to be out there for him. And and from there, figure out what he wants to do. There's a, who else is out there on the interior? Isn't there a defensive tackle that's out there? Still Shelby too? Harris is out there. Shelby Harris. Uh, Matt Ioannidis. Yeah. There's some guys. I mean, out there. These are your heavy hitters right now. Now. And then you get into players with potential trade. Like will Tennessee end up, Looking again to move Kevin Byard. Is Devin White yeah. gonna get Dell? Buda Baker. Uh Buda Baker. Jonah Williams is oh, I know he's not at OTAs right now. I know obviously he's recovering from an injury, but he's not reportedly happy about playing right tackle. So we've done some shows on some of these guys, which is fun. Yeah. You could get a chance to go back and, and when the the news first hit of those players kind of being available at the start of the league calendar year. Uh, we did some shows on them, some deep dives, so you can search on YouTube, Locked On NFL Scouting, and, and those names and, and find most of them with a show that we committed at least 30 minutes of programming to. Hey, I'm going to do something right now, and I didn't clear this with you, so you're just going to have to accept we didn't clear anything it. that we're talking about today with each other yeah. at all. Like, the all whole right, thing so, is flying blind. But here's this feels like a good time. All right, we, we, we're we going to talk about Drake May. That's going to be our mm-hmm. conversation today. But we got into a little bit of this 
NFL piece where there's some interesting players. And so let's do a giveaway here. All you have oh. to all you have to do, you don't have to be okay. right. All you have to do is call your shot. Subscribe to the Lockdown NFL Scouting YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. Leave a comment on today's video and tell us one player team match team that you predict that's going to happen. Yeah, so leave that comment between right now and end of day Sunday. We'll do a drawing on Monday. The winner gets one of the new NFL training camp hats of your choice. So you tell us the team. Bub, he won the last contest that we Bub did. did win. Yep. He won, so he got a Bills draft hat. And so who's going to be our next winner? Leave that comment, but you got to make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. And it has to be on the Drake May video. Has to be on the Drake May like, video. Like, don't leave yeah. one on Friday show. Yeah. Don't leave one on last Tuesday show. Has to be on the Drake May video. So you know where to find it. All so right. let's talk Drake May. Let's let's talk about Drake May, a four-star recruit out of Myers Park, Kyle. That's here in Charlotte. Old when I played grounds. When I played uh, high school football here in the Charlotte area, we scheduled Myers Park for our homecoming just about every year, make sure we got a dub. So I think things have been up on the up and up uh, since the early 2000s when I was in the game. But uh, out of Myers Park, he's a Charlotte guy, goes to North Carolina. He um, originally committed to Alabama, which is fun because – the last two UNC quarterbacks, Sam Howell, originally committed to Florida State. He flips to North Carolina. Drake May, Alabama, flips to North Carolina. So nice job there flipping some guys. And look, this uh, this May family is North Carolina through and through. His dad played football at UNC. His brother, Luke May, was a big-time star basketball player at UNC. His brother, not sure what happened here. He's a baseball player at Florida. And then his other brother, Bo, uh, is a current UNC basketball player and his mother a UNC grad. And so uh, the Mays are UNC, if you will. And then, look, I mean, uh, the accomplishments on the field this past year were pretty pretty outstanding, right? The ACC Rookie of the Year, ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year, ACC Player of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year. Just the second player in the history of the ACC to win all four of those awards in the same season. The first player, any guesses? Deshaun Watson. James, I would have thought Deshaun Watson too, but it's Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, the only How? other player to do that. So accolades speak for themselves, right? I don't want to get too much into the the skill set, um, but this being a one-year starter, I think is one of the things that is more exciting about forecasting him from this point on uh, because he had thrown 10 career pass attempts in 2021 and nine of them came against Wofford. Right. So the Terriers, the Wofford Terriers. That's right. So now you have a player who has put a very strong exclamation point out there. Um, but there feels if, if this is the foundation where it evolves from here is going to be critical for for Drake May as a quarterback. And I know you're planning on talking a little bit about the scheme. Uh, Longo, offensive coordinator in 2022. Long gone. Long, long gone. Long gone. So tell tell us a little bit about the new OC here as well as like as we calibrate our expectations before we get into the skill set. Yeah, so we've moved on from Phil Longo. He's in Wisconsin, which feels so weird to me. It's weird. Like wait, but, wait, like Wisconsin Longo in Big Ten feels very odd, especially Wisconsin with right. The only thing weirder, us. <laughs> the only place weirder would have been like Iowa, right? He goes right. to Wisconsin. Uh, so they're moving away from Phil Longo. Um, what's interesting is, you know, Phil Longo, you, you kind of always heard that 
There's only 25 plays in his playbook. And then I listened to Dawson Knox, who played tight end for Longo at, Longo Ole, Miss. at Ole Miss. And he, he was talking about Dalton Kincaid coming to the Bills. And he said, you know, look, I know the hardest part for me coming out of college was learning the playbook. He's like, we had 25 plays in college, and we just looked at the sideline for some signals, right? So this is this is what Drake May has been operating in. And so um, moving away from Longo is exciting to me. They bring in Chip Lindsey now as the offensive coordinator. Um, started off at SMU 2014-2015 with Todd Monken. Uh, Monken was the head coach at SMU, and, and he was the offensive coordinator then one season at Arizona State as the OC in 2016. And then it feels like his most formative years as an OC came with Gus Malzahn, 2017-2018 uh, at Auburn. Uh, and then he goes to Troy to be their head coach, 2019 to 2021. Not a great run there at Troy. He inherited a team that had three consecutive double-digit win seasons. And in his three seasons on the job, won a combined 15 games, five wins every single season, no bowl appearances in three years. And then last year, he reunites with Gus Malzahn at UCF, and he's their offensive coordinator in 2022 before coming over to uh, North Carolina now to run this offense. I think what you're going to get from this offense is a creative run scheme. You know, I think you're going to get, uh, you know, a power spread in a lot of different ways, some zone mixed in. But think about those Auburn staples. When he was at Auburn, Jarrett Stidham was a quarterback, if that paints a picture for a lot of people. Uh, he's known for the screen game, right? And for as much as we could talk about Phil Longo in the transition, not a lot of screens in the Phil Longo offense, at least last year with Drake May. And so it's almost been something that you've seen as a criticism towards Chip Lindsay is just how much he loves the bubble screens and, and using that piece of the offense. Easy but then completions. Yeah, yeah, but particularly screens, right? So like not necessarily right. just free access, screens. Uh, and then you're going to see vertical uh, vertical components to what he does. That That's certainly part of it. And then where I, what I do like uh, is going to be you're, there's a lot more pre-snap motion and less static alignments for the offense under Chip Lindsey as compared to Phil Longo. But, you know, Phil Longo, air raid, um, static alignments, a lot of binary stuff. And so I don't know that I'm overly enthusiastic about Chip Lindsey, but I'm at least glad it's no longer Phil Longo. Well, I, th- I think at the very least that will give us more clarity. Because we, we've heard the discussions around the Longo offense are, it's as long as the ball's supposed to be when it's supposed to be there, what you do before that point, we, we don't really care, right? It's, it's just not... And you can tell. Right. I mean, the, the contrast of Sam Howell and yeah. uh, the, the footwork, and I, I think there's some things with Drake May that we'll be getting into and talking about his skill set that um, I, I think there's a lot of growth potential as a quarterback in a long go offense because of where they put their points of emphasis that work at the college level versus what you will need to have as a pro quarterback. And I think at the very least a change, I think the worst thing that could have happened for Drake May was playing another year just in the long go offense for another 12 months and have no catalyst for changing or growing or evolving as a player other than I just going to understand the scheme better. There's some rumblings that he stiff-armed the situation that he kind of forced Longo out, and, and, and to which I would say, good, right? Like good. it's either it's either I go somewhere else if I'm Drake May, I go play quarterback some other some other place, or Phil Longo's got to go because this isn't giving my me my best opportunity to showcase myself, which and de- I think we're and gonna, develop. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot yep. more of that right. here in the so coming segments. Let's let's dive in. Let's uh, first make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers. Get a no-sweat first bet up to 
$2,500. That's $2,500. Joe, it's, it's, it's usually $1,000. What happened? It, draft dudes do math. That is a higher number by $1,500. 250%. When you're no sweat first bet. Oh, you're getting percentages. Yeah. 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 And bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What do I love about FanDuel? Well, they got great promotions every day. You get paid instantly when you win. Safe and secure, easy to use, and there's so many different options, whether it is the NBA playoffs, the NHL, or in the Stanley Cup with that right now. MLB's in full swing. Football future bets are available. There is simply no better place to get in on all the action than over at America's number one sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get that no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, skill set of Drake May. I want to ask you a question to start. And it may... Pun intended? Yes and no. There's There's a certain group of football fans in which this is going to sound like an insult. And I I don't mean it in an insulting way when I'm asking the question. But Joe, I would like you to tell me what Drake May does better than Daniel Jones coming out of Duke. Oh, man. Uh, I was wondering where – I thought you were going to say Caleb Williams and you said Daniel Jones. (laughs) That's an interesting picture to paint with asking that question. I could not get Daniel Jones – yeah, out of my head watching this player. I don't think uh, Jones is a better runner than May. Um, Correct. I wasn't ready for that question, and uh, but the reality is nothing's very quickly coming to my Correct. mind. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So that's I put that out there. I think we that's like really Daniel, fair. We, we like Daniel Jones as a prospect, but at the same time, you know, the the hype around Daniel Jones in the pre-draft process kind of created these extra like side quest narratives about who Daniel Jones was that I, I don't think are particularly fair to Daniel Jones, but he didn't ask to get drafted where he did. You can't really control that. Um, obviously, stylistically very different offenses, air raidy versus Cutcliffe. More yeah, pro even, style, RPO-ish, but that, that all goes yeah. in Daniel Jones's favor as well. Yeah. I, I honestly think what we could see from Chip Lindsay is a lot of what we saw in the Duke version of Cutcliffe, right, with Jones. Like, I think that's a lot of RPOs. it. What's coming. Yep. Vertical shots, power spread, bubbles. So, okay. I, that, that was my launch point for this conversation was I saw a lot of Daniel Jones-type qualities as a prospect. I like Daniel Jones, a pro quarterback, right now. I don't know that yeah, what that's, he got paid, but it, that, like that, again, that's a totally different conversation. Man, that's such an interesting foil. Um, there are some ways that I wish wish Drake May was more like uh, Daniel Correct. Jones. Um, in, in a lot of ways, actually. So let's okay. That's a fun way to start the conversation. <laughs> six okay. six four two twenty. Yep. Um, good arm strength. Enough movement skills. Certainly not. I don't. I don't think he's a dynamic runner or anything like that. But he's got enough movement mobility. Probably, used to, what a four seven, four seven five. Yeah, something. I mean, four seven four eight. Yeah, he's enough. Um, you do see some really impressive high level throws, right? There's some dots, man. He's got some really impressive throws that he makes to all levels of the field. 
Um, and so I think that, you know, size, arm talent, enough mobility, some really impressive throws, a highly accomplished player out of North Carolina, um, you know, that's why we're talking about him. And, and I think it's good to acknowledge those things, but maybe the more interesting part of our conversation is where we need to see some growth from him and some of the concerns right now. Pretty rough around the edges. I, I agree with everything you said, and I like Drake May's prospect. I think that that's very important, but I, I think when you have the conversation, he has some uncoachable arm talent at his disposal. He's a plus athlete for a player of his stature. He's prototypical size. He's He's got a howitzer. You've seen some big boy throws from him. No far doubt. hash throws down the field that really popped. But just the, again, this is a first-year player, so this isn't necessarily to be unexpected, but then you pair it with the offense that he was in, and that's where it's like, I'm really glad that there's a change. Pretty rough around the edges from a, a footwork perspective, a timing perspective. I think there's some high and low water marks as far as navigating the pocket, where there's times mm-hmm. where you see him kind of slide and buy a little time when he knows that he's got a free runner and stands in and makes a throw. He's got really good toughness. But then there's other times where I think he's bailing out of pockets early, particularly on third and fourth downs, where it's like I, I'm overly eager to go mm-hmm. out, get outside the pocket, get into space, and try to make a play happen. So I think that's probably where I would start is footwork and timing, and that compounds to some accuracy issues. I thought he made a lot of throws harder than they had to be to all levels of the field, missed a couple easy throws in the flat, and then the inconsistency with the willingness to stand in in the pocket. Looking at my notes, footwork, alignment, misses, skips, erratic base, bailing early, saying no to easy reads, makes it harder than it needs to be. <laughs> that's, that's what I got it down. And, uh, and as a case in point, we've made a deliberate point not to talk yeah. about this player at all in the pre-show. I said, I don't want to talk about him all the year. Uh, yeah, it sounds like we see him very similar. Let's talk, we, let's get into footwork a little bit more. Um, yeah. So the, there's no, yeah, the back paddle, right? Which I think is becoming is more acceptable, right? Um, it's it's finding the platform out of the pedal. Um, it's throwing on the move. Like I don't think I thought he was a very inconsistent thrower on the he's move. He's got to start carving it back down towards the line of scrimmage more yes. on his rollouts. And he's because somehow when he's releasing it, he's like parallel. It's 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 very very funky. And that ball, I mean, he skips a lot of throws, man. I mean, he's got arm talent, but it's it's disappointing to see how many throws just land short of his mark, and you don't give your guys a chance. Um, but I think a lot of that is because he's not finding that steady base, right? He's not um, he's not not very rhythmic with his sequencing. He's not getting himself aligned, and like when he gets to the top of his drop, like where's the hitch? Where's the climb? Right? It's it's very erratic. It's very irregular. It's not stuff that's that's coached because he isn't coached, right? That's that's. It's almost hard to hold this against it because we know that this is a principle for whatever reason of a Phil Longo offense that is extremely detrimental to their um, what they're going to have have to do at the next level. It's a big curve, and so I think footwork and, and you know if you talk about quarterbacks winning from the feet up, he's got a long ways to go there. And I'm not sure a lot of that's his fault. Well, and he's he's also not because we we. When we did Caleb Williams, we sung the praises of Caleb Williams for arm slot and throwing off platform. Drake's longer, right? Caleb six one, mm-hmm. Drake six four, and it shows he's got that again the Daniel Jones Ryan Tannehill type frame that it's just a it's a longer stroke. So when you have a longer stroke and it's not so compact and repeatable when you are off platform, yeah. when you're off platform, it compounds 
into exponentially greater spray chart for how consistently you're hitting. Like we have routine out routes to the sideline. We have back shoulder throws that we're putting three yards out of bounds to the to the boundary, not even throwing it to the field. Right. That's like just poor poor tell. examples of <laughs> as I process in the the back pedal, I'm understanding where I want to go. But then I have to get myself set. And if I don't, then what I end up doing is just using the arm and all of this long rotational torque that he creates. It, it creates good juice on the ball, but it's not a, a repeatable stroke. And I think that's something that, that you've seen with him time and time again for these kind of surprising misses. Yeah, I, I think the repeatability is a big talking point to get into, especially when you kind of couple that with there's he's got a bit of a windup where he has holds the ball and it drops and it comes back around. And I think as all that elongates and you try to find consistency, you talk about repeatability, it does become very, very concerning. And that, that extending of the ball shows up in ball security in traffic as well. Yep. Yeah. I know that was the, the games I watched. I watched app state, Notre Dame, uh, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Oregon. And there's instances in those games in which he's getting that ball down on his hip and putting himself at risk of getting the ball knocked out of his hands when he decides, I got to get out of my blocks. The first thing he does a lot of times is the ball comes down and it's exposed as compared to keeping it high up on the, the back shoulder and, and protecting it for pass rushers that are trying to zip by on, off the outside. Also a little bit concerning with his progressions, and I know that a lot of it's binary for uh, them at North Carolina, but there were times where I didn't feel like he was – like you mentioned on the third and fourth downs, like just like maybe a little bit of urgency type thing where he like wants to make the play. And it's just like keep – get your eyes in the right spot and keep them there. Keep them And don't – right. Like, And I, I, I can appreciate quickly working through progressions, but I thought there were just too many times where his eyes start in the right place and then they come off of it too quick to go through the progression. It's like, no, dude, you had the ax- – you, you had what you were looking for. Right, you just but you said worked no. off it too quickly. Yeah, you said no, and I'm like, wait, dude, it's right there. Especially the shallow time. stuff. It felt like shallow Especially stuff shallow. was where that, like the in the the short down and distance situations when you're looking to manufacture a rub. You know they they love running mesh, don't they? They've loved running mesh down there at UNC. <laughs> yeah, and, and at, people caught on to that. I mean, the, the production fell off towards the end of the year. And I think a lot of that was just the lack of evolution with what they were doing. Yeah. And well, I, I did want to, I have in my notes that I wanted to talk about the last four games of the season and the statistical drop off there, but we can get into that with objectives. Yeah. But if you're running mesh and they, I mean, they even ran it out of, they have 25 plays, but they run them out of all these different kinds of formations. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, they try to stay it's multiple. The same thing. Yeah. But- right. So they, they go out of a, a, three by one and they run a corner with a flat and then they run the mesh and there's no sit over top of the ball because they they're effectively running a high low to the front side of the read. And then the back is working like a swing on the backside or something like that. And you get that flat out of the bunch with a vertical push with and an outside release and doesn't it's, hold the and it's but and it's wide open. Yeah. And his his helmet stripe is that way, so you know he's looking that way, and he turns down on a third and three 
a wide open flat that's been lifted off by the corner route and give yourself a harder throw to work back into the shallow cross on the rub and get into the mesh. So it's not, it's not the inability to move your eyes and go through it. It's the game slowing down. It, it feels like it's the game slowing down enough for you to execute and take the easy completions that are schemed for you that are even available to you that you ended up turning down. That's a lot of the encapsulation of what I think we both intended when we, we both can't have in our notes makes it harder than it needs to be in, in a simple scheme. Yeah. Footwork, speed of critical down and distances with your eyes and how quickly you want to convert to getting off your spot and making the plays happen. And it, I, didn't think it were, I didn't think there were a lot of bad decisions on this tape from the games that I watched. I think that's a good thing. I think it's just the the irregularities of being a first-year starter in this kind of offense. And, you know, I, again, th- this conversation feels like it's overly negative, and I don't want it to feel that way because I like the player. There's a lot to like. I was surprised with what we got relative to the buzz around the player. I have some thoughts. Well, let's get let's get into that in just a We get into objectives okay. for, for okay. 2023, the buzz, yep. and all, reconciling all that right after a quick break. So, Joe, it was very important for you to hit pause on that, and I want to give you a chance to unpause and go wherever your mind was going to go there in talking about the buzz on the player the seemingly consensus around the player versus the product that we watched in year one. It's the difference between scouting and watching football games, right? I mean, Drake may was highly accomplished, had all the yards, semifinalists for all the big awards, highly decorated voting, I believe. Yeah. I mean, so you, you see all that and everybody wants to crown quarterbacks, right? And, I've said this to you multiple times. I think I've even said it on, on our podcast multiple times that it feels like just about every quarterback starts off as a high first round pick. And then we go from there. Like, it's just a weird progression, right? Like why, why do we, why does, why do they start there? Right. right. But that, that, that's kind of, kind of what happens. And so I think you have production, you have size, you have arm talent, you have movement skills and everyone's like, yeah, that's going to be the guy that can be a franchise savior in the NFL. And maybe Drake may can't, right? And I, I, there's a lot of reason to think that he can, and there's, the trajectory's good. I, like, I, there's a lot to like here. But I think once you get into the tape and you start to put on that scouting lens, you know, you, you find out the truth. And it's, I mean, this is a really weird where, place to take it, but it's a little bit like the Andre Carter conversation, the, the edge rusher from Army, mm-hmm. all this production, pressures. It's like, well, oh, that's really cool, but like, watch the tape, and the guy goes undrafted. That's not what I'm saying for Drake May, but there is times where it tells a different story. And I, I think the tape versus the metrics do say different stories, but even the stats and the numbers and the production towards the end of the year tailed off dramatically, where he ended up having what, four of his seven interceptions on the season in the last three games before the bowl game. Uh, they lost their last four football games. This was a team that was like kind of sneaky. Hey, yep. they might get hot, win the ACC, sneak in the college. Nope, they lost their last four football games. And he was not particularly good 
uh, in any of them. You know, he, he had some high moments as a runner. He was largely bottled up in all of those football games as a runner, despite having double-digit rush attempts in all of them. I think some of that is falling back into trying to be an athlete and run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, the completion percentage, the efficiency as a passer took a nosedive. The ball security was not what it was in the early portions of the season. So, you know, e- even the bowl game against Oregon, I thought he left plays out on the field. He completed 51% of his passes, even though he had three touchdowns and no interceptions. It was not one of his best performances of the games that I had watched. And the Notre Dame game is kind of like a hallmark game for him where he threw for five touchdowns. They were down. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like every time you looked up on on the huddle and they had the ball back, they were down another seven points. Like I think they were down early in the third quarter, like 38 to 14 or something like that. So... The numbers can lie. The numbers are capable of lying, but I think the numbers towards the end of the season ended up kind of manifesting some of the questions that he'll need to evolve from as we talk about his 2023 objectives. Yeah, last three ACC games, Georgia Tech, NC State, Clemson, one touchdown, four interceptions. And then he throws three touchdowns in the bowl game against Oregon. So his last four games, four touchdowns, four interceptions, again, courtesy of three against Oregon in the bowl game. Right. Uh, yeah, the production in every imaginable way over the last four just tapered off significantly. Um, and I, I think you can you can really apply a lot of the observation of the third and fourth downs critical moments into how that shaked out. You know, I know that he was very clutch at times in that NC State game for sure. Um, but I think he's I think he's got to slow down. I think he's got to find himself a little bit and Hopefully it, he'll be in an offense that allows him to showcase himself better than than what Phil Longo allowed. I I will say this in defense of Drake May too. Uh, I don't know what he did to the left guard during camp before the start of the season, but that dude was trying to get him killed every game I turned on. So I think from an internal clock perspective, it felt like there was some you were being pressured a lot quicker than you should be in a lot of cases in, a, in which I watched. You know, that that backside B-gap really felt like a problem at times. And he he took some big hits. I respect his toughness. That was one of the first things that, that pulled me into the Daniel Jones parallels was say what you will about Daniel Jones, but that dude was tough as nails at, at, at Duke. Yeah. Playing and standing in and taking hits and, and throwing from the pocket. And he took a hit against Notre Dame that I said, wow, okay. And he, he stood in there and took all of it. So I get why there's some internal clock, but I, I thought it was too prevalent on money downs to be a coincidence. Yeah. It's third and fourth downs, and it was really consistent. The eagerness to, to drop his eyes. He had a play in the first 10 minutes against, who was the second game that I watched? Was it Oregon that I watched second? He had he had a crosser that ran all the way across the field and had like the man coverage trailer was four yards behind him. And his eyes never left this player right here in the flat on the sideline as he was rolling out. Where if just work your eyes up there and just put it somewhere out in front of him, he never saw it because he was it felt like he was running a run. So finding a better balance in utilizing the athleticism that you have with the arm ability that you have. But trusting 
the design of the play, I think, is my number one objective. And that is going to be really interesting because it's a total wild card as far as schematically what we're going to get versus what we had last year. Well, and, and he loses Josh Downs, right? 116 right. targets for Josh Downs. And and so now he's – he was Antoine Green too? I think he did. So his top two receivers are gone. Um, and so he's going to have to kind of pick this up here with a new offense and, you know, the, his top two his top two most targeted guys are no longer in the, in the mix. So how do we calibrate our expectations for Drake May in 2023, given those dynamics, given the hype? I mean, I think people are expecting him to go out there and have a great season and, you know, people be in the QB1 like conversation. Top, top three pick, yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if that's how this played out at the end you, of the row. Is that because you think whether it's Quinn Ewers or Penix or there's other quarterbacks that are going to disrupt I this? I think there's a chance like he can be QB too. I don't, I don't think like you could take Drake May and Caleb Williams and hold them against not, not close. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and say, oh yeah, they wipe the floor with them. They blow them out of the water. I think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback prospect probably the last four years yeah. at minimum. But I look at Drake May, and I put Drake May in this class, and I, I'd probably have C.J. Stroud in front of him right now. I would definitely have C.J. Stroud in front of him right now. I might have Anthony Richardson in front of him right now. I, I can't. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So if I, if I take that and I say, okay, if I put him in this class, I, I'd like at least two guys better than him. I know I like Caleb Williams more than him you'd have to have the right combination of teams having the first two picks, whether that's organically or via trade, I think for, for him to realistically have a chance at that happening. But I just think some of the other players that we've looked at early in this process, there's going to be non quarterbacks that are, are players that are going to prevent him from getting into that stratosphere. So it's less about, I don't think Drake may can be QB two. I think it's a real, very realistic chance. He ends up being QB two, but I think it's more so. I don't think this is top three pick right. in this class universal like a universal right. top three quarter right prospect yeah yeah i'd agree with that i i mean we've done caleb williams olu fashanu marvin harrison and drake may i have the most questions about this guy by far yeah no question no question there's the most questions and extrapolating him forward you just made the point well they lost his top two wide receivers he lost his left tackle. New scheme. Rough around the edges, first-year player last year. If he goes out and he, he puts on the same display, I don't know, I, I think there's... He'll be a top half of the first-round pick, would be my guess. But right. I wouldn't feel great about projecting him in the top five or or if I'm a team that needs a quarterback, like I'm not sprinting this card to the podium based right. off of what we have right now. And I think there's enough questions here that I think this is going to be a player, and we know how this goes. You get overscouted, right? You get nitpicked to death. And this is the stand the statistical standard, I think, probably doesn't match the film. So what happens if the statistical production next year falls more in line with the film unless he does improve by leaps and bounds? Which could happen. Right? Which could the, happen. The scheme could unlock more. He's had an offseason. 
He's talented. Like, there's plenty of reason to believe that he does take that step and, okay, yeah, this is uh, firmly a top five pick and somebody should really be excited, but then we need to see that play out. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions here with Drake May, and he'll have a chance to to answer those questions, and and that'll uh, largely be what I'm looking for is is – how he progresses and evolves as a player from from the standard that he set last year as a first-year star. Were so. you curious if I was going to come in different here? Or did, did you did I fall um, in where you thought I would? I, I figured you would see him similar the week. I, the I, got, I, I got the vibe very quickly on in our conversation that you came away feeling the same way. Because, like, we... I texted you this morning and, and said, I have some takes. And you said, I'm turning on the film now. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Like, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> But I picked up very quickly that you had parallel thoughts. So it was cool to see your notes with the uh, the bullet points of areas of improvement and growth that you were looking for. And they hit all of the boxes that I went through on my soapbox ran at the top of segment two. Eagles tomorrow. Eagles tomorrow. Our first bona fide it's gonna be some loaded roster. <laughs> this is going to be fun to see how these numbers shake out for the Philadelphia Eagles. So. Plan accordingly. Come on back and see us. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hope you have a great rest of your day. We will be back again tomorrow on Friday. Hope to see you then. Peace.